Elfinworks Productions presents Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Last time on Ribbons and Bows, we landed in World War II and met two more shining starlets, Mary Becker and Miriam Solovyev, who brought light, hope, and joy through their musical arts. This time we meet Guila Bustabo, Freda Lack, and Francis Magnus. The eccentric violinist Guila Bustabo was born February 25, 1916. She began studying at the age of two and attended Chicago Musical College and Juilliard for her formal training. Her teachers included Ray Huntington, Louis Persinger, and Leon Sammartini. She played a Guarnerius, Adele Jesu. Legend has it that when she was only two and a half, she asked for a violin, so her father made one out of a cigar box, and her mother began to teach her. This didn't last long, because she eventually got angry and stomped on the thing. Listen to Guila Bustabo tell the story herself. I clamored for a fiddle, and what Daddy did was a kind of joke. He gave me a cigar box with a stick attached to it to make up the neck. <laughs> he gave it to me and told me it's a violin, but it didn't look like his, and it didn't make any sound. I threw it on the floor and started stamping on it. And I howled so much that Mother was determined to get me a violin. Well, she must have known someone who could make a very tiny instrument. And after a few weeks, he, he carved out a small violin for me. I think she paid him $5 for it. <laughs> Audiences and critics alike were thrilled by her musicianship and beautiful tone. Charles Defour of the New Orleans Tribune noted that she revealed herself as a mature artist, certain to be reckoned with in any appraisals of the world's greatest virtuosi of the violin. Ovations were given after each number. Gustavo, great artist. Concert to be remembered. Brilliant violinist. Her repertoire consisted of Respighi, the Sibelius Concerto, the Beethoven Violin Concerto, the Dvorak Concerto, and the Mendelssohn Concerto, among others. The Avant Post was impressed with her interpretation of Respighi, giving her the following review. Respighi was interpreted by Bustavo with a violin authority, a sublime tone production, and a musical culture that stands above all criticism, and for that she was thanked with enthusiastic applause. A writer from the New York Times observed that she played the Sibelius masterpiece with her usual technical accuracy and sensitive feeling, a singing tone, subtly employed. During the war, her career was strictly controlled by a stage mother who unwisely decided she would perform for Germany and Nazi-occupied countries during World War II. That worked to her disadvantage. The Germans lost, and she returned to the United States. General Patton had wanted her to play for U.S. troops, but arrested her when he found out about her wartime activities. This, however, did not stop most U.S. orchestras from inviting her back to play with them. And why not? She'd studied at Juilliard under Louis Persinger, who was known for teaching many of the greats. And she had a resonant tone and dazzling agility that delighted audiences. She taught at the Conservatory in Innsbruck from 1964 to 1970 and retired to join the Alabama Symphony for a time. 
Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History, a presentation of Elfenworks Productions Beyond Film and Music, will return after this brief message. Hi, I'm Seema Shams, Chief Development Officer at the Carter Center, where we're waging peace, fighting disease, building hope. Did you know that you can be a part of advancing the lives of women and their families worldwide? Find out more at www.cartercenter.org. That's www.cartercenter.org. Now we return to Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Meet Fredel Lack. Audiences loved Miss Lack, most especially as an overcomer. Her life began like so many others. This performer of remarkable poise was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1922 and began playing the violin at the age of six. Her first teacher was the highly respected Tosca Berger. She practiced, 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 and moved to where the best teachers were. In her case, she moved to Houston, Texas, and studied under Josephine Boudreau, who was the concertmaster of the Houston Symphony Orchestra. At the age of 12, she went to New York to study under Louis Persinger. She received a scholarship to Juilliard and graduated at the age of 21, performing in Town Hall in New York and then touring in Central America. Lack was the first concertmaster of the Little Orchestra Society of New York, and she also performed solos that aired on the radio. This brought her beautiful tone to a larger audience. She created her magic with a gorgeous violin, the Baron de Brock, a creation of the peerless Antonio Stradivari in 1727. Even as a younger violinist, she was noticed as one of the most gifted. The New York Post, writing that her tone was warm, rich, and expensive, and that she had a dependable technique, her playing showed taste and imagination. The Houston Post hailed her as one of the clearly elect among the younger concert artists of the nation today. And the New York Times gave her early raves as well, writing, Miss Lack has already shown that she's an accomplished performer. She brought technical skill, sense of style, and musicianship to everything she played. Or, as the Herald Tribune put it, here is a young musician to treasure. Nothing did she lack. Of her later playing, one Houston Post critic wrote, an electrifying artistic event, an evening of real poetry and magic. I do not think it is possible to play the violin with more beauty, grace, skill, or sheer musical probity. Lack's repertoire was anything but lacking. It included the Sibelius D minor concerto, hailed in Salt Lake City as moving and scintillating. Of one performance, the Phoenix Republic raved, she commanded moments of the most intense beauty that can come from the violin. Her repertoire also included Mozart's B-flat major sonata, Prokofiev, Bach, and more. No wonder the New York Times hailed her as altogether impressive. Lack seemed to be on top of the world when tragedy struck. Around 1952, a dog bit off the tip of her little finger on her left hand. Imagine it, the left hand, the hand that is needed for all the fingerings, all the delicate intonation a lifetime of training, perfecting her technique. Her performances had been, according to critics, electrifying and flawless. 
what now? Lack decided the setbacks would not stop her, and she set about relearning the instrument again. It took her a year of rehabilitation and then relearning her technique. One might say dogged determination to get back to thrilling her audiences as she had before. In 1955, she started the Lyric Art Quartet with three other string players from the Houston Symphony. She also started a wonderful program to bring classical music to children, giving them opportunities they normally would not be able to experience. And she taught violin at the University of Houston, retiring after 50 years of dedicating herself to her students. This just relatively recently, in 2009. Frances Magnus sprang on the scene in the 1940s, after World War II. A violinist of high caliber, she had studied under Adolf Busch. After her career as a concert violinist, she taught violin at the Hof Barthelsen Music School in Scarsdale. She played with brilliant technique and a gleaming tone. Her understanding of the music was eloquently expressed in her immense, lovely tone. The New York Times hailed Magnus for her virtuosity, brilliant technique, and communicative spirit. And the plain dealer saw her sparkle on the violin. She had, according to the New York Herald Tribune, expressive understanding of the music, comprehensive and mature, a fiery impetuosity, gleaming tone, uncommonly high musical altitude, placing her indubitably among our finest instrumentalists. This high praise was echoed in the New York Times, who hailed one of her performances as an evening of violin playing that few violinists can match. The New York Post called Magnus a Catherine Cornell of the violin. This may mean little now, but at the time it was an extraordinary compliment. Cornell, an American stage actress as well as writer, producer, and theater owner, was one of the greatest American stage actors of the 20th century. Perhaps that comparison sheds a little light on what the Montreal Herald meant by saying musician of high caliber, tone beautiful and immense, performer and composer as one. When performer and composer are as one, is it a bit like method acting? This episode features excerpts from works in the public domain and copyrighted recordings of Maud Powell and Guila Bustabo that were used with permission from the copyright holders. For details, including full legal notice, visit elfinworksproductions.com. Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History has been a presentation of Elfinworks Productions, Beyond Film and Music. Tune in next time for part three. Learn about all our products, including this one, available as an audiobook release, and find more information and detailed histories online now at www.elfinworksproductions.com. We thank you for your patronage and partnership as we strive to tell the stories that matter. Copyright 2018, Elfinworks Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.